Hey, my name is Brianna, and you're listening to the FCC Grayson Podcast. God is doing some incredible things here at First Church. To learn more about FCC and maybe plan your visit, head on over to FCCGrayson.com. We hope today's message gives you hope, inspires, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive into today's message. Last weekend... I, I, let me first make this statement. I have um, I've wrestled. I'm, I'm sorry, that's not the proper pronunciation. I've wrestled uh, a lot in this past week, week and a half, two weeks, uh, with what to share this morning. Um, as we went last weekend, my daughter so kindly gifted me a little bit of a bucket list thing for Father's Day. Uh, we went to um, watch the Cubs play at Wrigley Field uh, last weekend. I'd never been. That was one of the places that was on my bucket list that I wanted to go, and she made that possible. So publicly, thank you. Um, uh, she's accumulated quite a few brownie points for several years to come. Um, turns out that we actually maybe went the wrong weekend. Because if we would have waited till like this weekend to go, we could have worn our jerseys and probably got playing time. I don't know how many of you kept up with the baseball trade deadline, but the Cubs, like, they, they were pulling peanut guys out of the stands after they got done trading everybody. But on our trip up there, there was a, a couple moments where both she and my wife um, were both in an altered state of reality. Um, taking naps, mouths open, catching flies as they were going by. Um, and, and I just, I made this statement to God as I was driving, spending some time with him. And I'm going to make this statement to you as well this morning. I am not okay. I'm not okay. And I don't know if I'm looking at anyone in here this morning or if there's anyone watching me at home that can honestly look and say that you're okay too. So I was just having this conversation with the Lord of telling him that I'm not okay. I'm struggling in some areas. There's some things that are going on internally inside of me that I'm not used to dealing with. That's never happened before. And I was reminded of the statement by Matt Chandler, uh, pastors of a fairly large church down in Texas. He's, he's known for making this statement that it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. So I want to preface what we're getting ready to talk about this morning with that statement. That if you're here this morning and you can testify with me that I'm not okay, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. So as I'm having this conversation with God, we're passing by a, a nearby airport. I'm not even for sure where it was, but I see a plane taking off. And, and the way that God is so faithful to do with me is he speaks to me, thankfully, in a language that I can understand. And I, I think he speaks to each of us somewhat differently. I mean, we have the way that he speaks to us through his word, and that's universal for all of us. But I believe in moments like this, in moments of our prayer time, that he speaks to us the way that we're going to most understand it. 
And the way that I most understand things is in the simplest of terms. Okay, whenever God's explaining something to me, I feel like sometimes I need to go, okay, explain this to me like I'm five. Okay, let's boil this down to the simplest explanation possible. So I see an airplane taking off. And he's like, that's, that's, that's where you're at right now. And I thought, hmm, okay. And I want to share that here in just a few more, just a few moments as to that analogy, how God brought that in and brought that to me. But I kind of want to tell you that God laid something on my heart that day that I knew that I was going to need to take some time to share with you, with my church family, with this local congregation. I knew that it was a word from the Lord and it needed to be shared. So I started making my plans. And we can all kind of chuckle and giggle right there whenever we say I started making my plans because most of us know how those turn out, don't we? Either we make our plans and then we go through with them and they fall apart, or we make our plans and God's like, that's so cute. It's so cute, that's not how it's going to happen. So I thought, hey, we've got another month, the month of August, that we're, we're doing the Summer in the Psalms series. And then we're planning on going back to Ephesians in September. So what I'm going to do, and I even came back and I told Thomas this. I said, we're just going to take the month of September and we're going to push Ephesians back and we need to talk from a biblical standpoint, I don't know how many weeks, but mental and emotional health. And we need to talk about that as a church. We need to dive into God's Word. And what does it say in God's Word about mental and emotional health? So then a few days later, I continue to pray about it. And God's like, you need to do it sooner than September. That's not going to fly. It's like, okay. I'll wait till we get done with this Sunday. And then next Sunday, August the 8th, we'll go into it. So there was a day or so that I kind of landed on that and thought, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And then God was like, in the middle of the night last night, I was awakened, and God was like, here's what you're going to do, and you're going to do it this morning. So, and only the way that God can do it, we're going to address this, and he's not even instructed me to change the chapter of what we're going out of and what I'd planned on this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 81. Now before I read this passage, we're going to be reading the first 10 verses. Uh, this takes place during the time of the year for the nation of Israel known as the Feast of Tabernacles, which is when they would come together and they would remember, they would, they would even erect like tabernacles as they would have during their wilderness experience. But they would remember God's deliverance out of Egypt, taking them as a nation and pulling them and delivering them out of Egyptian bondage. So Psalm 81, verse 1, starts by saying this, Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon, on our feast day. For it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. 
He made a decree in Joseph when he went out over the land of Egypt. I hear a language I had not known. I relieved your shoulder to the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. Let's pray. Father, I I thank you for this opportunity to be in your word again. I I ask that, uh, Lord, you would use me this morning. God, let let my heart be transparent. Uh, Let let me uh, strip everything away as far as any type of mask or uh, protective mechanisms. And God, just share your word, share what you're doing in my heart, and God, share it accurately. I pray that every one of us that's here, that God, that we would, uh, we would open up our hearts to receive what you have to say to us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Psalm 81, you know, we said a couple weeks ago that the Psalms are not compiled in chronological order. So there's things that can bounce from this time period to this time period, back and forth, and there's, there's no structure as far as chronologically the way that the Psalms are put together. Psalm 81, however, is placed right in the middle of book three of the Psalms. And in Hebrew poetry, in Hebrew music, the way that they structured things is that what they wanted the crescendo to be, what they wanted the theme to be, and what they wanted the emphasis point to be would always be placed right in the middle of the structure of the poem or the song that they were writing or the compilation of poems and songs. So what we see is this Psalm 81. That's right in the middle of book three. So this is the message. This is the point out of this book three of the Psalms that the Psalter is wanting us to understand. Like, If you get nothing else, get this. Psalm 81 is also unique in the fact that there's an emotional plea that's made here. And that's not unusual for the Psalms. If you read the Psalms, you will see that just about every one of them has some type of an emotional plea made. But one of the unique things about Psalm 81 is that it is one of the few Psalms in which God is the one making the emotional plea to us, to his people to the nation of Israel. Most of the time in the book of Psalms, we see all of these different Psalms taking place, and it's an emotional plea on our, from us to God. But at this point, we're seeing God make an emotional plea to his people. So what does this have to do with mental and emotional health? I think what we see in this passage is something that at the foundational level of our relationship with God and what the Bible instructs for us to prosper in our soul, in our mind, our emotions, and our will 
is that we need to be faithful in remembering the one that is faithful. I love the song that Kennedy sang and chose this morning of Do It Again. I still believe that you will do it again. And I don't know about any of you all, but the past 15, 16 months have been kind of rough. Amen? It's been kind of rough. I mean, for me, and this is not a put the spotlights on Ben, although there's three of them, four, five, six. It's not that. I'm sorry. I deal with my emotions with humor, okay? That's how I, that's what I do. I'm finding things rising up from within me that I didn't even know was there. Finding attitudes, and not good attitudes, that are showing themselves that I've never had to deal with before. I'm finding myself in situations that I'm getting frustrated in situations that I've never been frustrated in before. And quickly, like I go from ha 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 to leave me alone in like the drop of a hat. I don't know how y'all with the young kids are doing it. I find myself reacting differently, not only to the people that I just run into every now and then, but my family, the ones that I'm closest to. I get agitated with so quickly. I get frustrated with so quickly. I snap so quickly. And these things are so out of character from the bin in like February of 2019 or 2020. You know what I mean? And church, I think that all of us on some level are in that same spot. We don't deal with things the way we used to deal with them. Maybe our patience left. I don't know, but I can't concentrate on anything. Like I try to sit down and read or study. And I'm like, I'm reading out of the Bible. I'm like, I wonder how long it takes a caterpillar to metamorphosize. It's the deep things in life, you know? Church, we can no longer sweep mental health, emotional health, mental and emotional illness under the rug and act like it's no big deal. Amen? Amen. You can still love Jesus and struggle in your mental health. You can still love Jesus and struggle in your emotional health. You can still love Jesus and be faithful to Jesus and seek help after those things. And I'm not saying that this church has ever done it while I've been here, but from a capital C church standpoint, shame on us for brushing so many things under the rug for so long and just acting like we needed to rub some dirt on it and get back in there. When we have a book of instruction... We serve a Savior that gives us instruction. And you know what? I can't think of anything else. And, and, and I was informed this morning, just so the record's straight and we can make public knowledge, um, vacation days are not written in my contract. Found that out this morning. I love being here. Like, I don't like not being here even when I'm not speaking I like being with you people I love glorifying God together with you 
But I mean, let's think about what this past 15, 16 months has done to us, even from this standpoint, from a church standpoint. We come in here today and we don't even know how safe it is to be in here today. A couple weeks ago, this was safe again. Now we don't know. We could go out. We don't know. Our mental health is suffering because, man, we thought we were over this thing, and now it's rearing its head again, and we don't know what's the right answer. We don't know what's the wrong answer. We don't know what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And this place that for many of you has been a lifetime of a place of refuge, this is where you come to be safe. This is where you come that when relationships were struggling, this was a safe place. When you come in your workplace, you may have just gotten fired, you were laid off, things aren't good there, you came here and this was the safe place. This was the place that you could get comfortable. This was the place that you could sit and you could see brothers and sisters. You could hug brothers and sisters. You could fellowship with one another. And every now and then we'd have fried chicken. Praise the Lord, we'd have fried chicken. That'll preach right there. You want to start getting some response? Talk about some fried chicken. That's what I'm talking about. But let's even, so, so we have this place that's been safe, our haven, our entire lives. The place that went nowhere else was safe. Now, at, during, a, during a period, we, didn't, we weren't even here. And now there's still this looming, nagging questions and swirling around. Is it even safe to be here? That takes a toll. Amen? It takes a toll. And let's talk about the relationships in the church. Ooh, over the past 16 months, it could be that person that man I always went to that hugged them. I can't go up and hug them now. Do you see what they post on Facebook? Do you know who they voted for? Do you know what they feel about this cause or that cause or the other cause? I've seen it. I've heard them. I ain't hugging them anymore. i got to get to the other side of the church. Well, they believe everything's political. They believe nothing political. They believe in conspiracies. They believe in this. They believe in that. Have we ever seen a time in our lives where more wedges of division that the enemy has placed there has ever been more prevalent than what they are right now in the house of God? Never. We're not okay. But it's okay not to be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. So what does God instruct? Now this, I, uh, you, you could get technical with me, and that's fine. You can if you want to. That this is not a glaring passage on mental and emotional health. You're right. You're right. But We've established that this is an emotional plea coming from God to his people. And what does God tell them to do? This, by the way, Psalm 81 would have been one of the first things that was declared or that they would sing during the Feast of Tabernacles. They would kind of open with this, and their invitation hymn was Psalm 29. So if you get a chance, go back and read that. That's what st kind of started the feast. So 81, Psalm 29 kind of ended the feast. But I want you to look at the emotional plea, and let's take a look at this for just a few moments this morning, at what God tells the people to do. 
Verse 5. He made it a decree in Joseph. Do you know that Joseph was a part of the nation of Israel that was located in Egypt even before the nation of Israel was in bondage in Egypt? So what God's doing is he's reminding them that, hey, I was with you and I was faithful to you even before you were in bondage. On March 14th, 2020, God was with us before that March 15th date of when everything kind of started shutting down. God was with us and he's been with us and he's been faithful to us long before this season of our lives. I had a, uh, had a conversation with somebody the other day. They gave me permission to use their name, but I'm not going to. Um, but we were just having a conversation. They went, I cannot wait until this whole thing's over and everything goes back to the way it was. And immediately my mindset was, Amen. But then something clicked in me, and I went, I went, wait a minute, brother, let me, let me ask you something. I said, weren't, so you're wanting everything the way it was before COVID, right? He went, yes, I don't want a new normal, I want the old normal. I said, you mean that old normal of when in February 2020 you were sitting in my office talking about how you hated every area of your life? Like your job you were miserable with, you were struggling in your marriage, your finances were poor, you weren't happy at home, you weren't happy anywhere. That's the normal you want to go back to? Well, I hadn't thought of it that way. You see, we need to look back, but we need to understand that sometimes nostalgia can paint a much prettier picture than what the reality of a situation that was actually was so let's get to this plane this airplane thing that God kind of started stirring this in me I was like you're like that plane right there trying to take off powerful and kind of impressive no okay see God started using this example to me he's like you and so many other people you were used to just flying along at altitude. You were just used to being. And everything was pretty smooth. Everything was pretty uneventful. And every now and then, there would be moments of turbulence where things would get rustled and you'd get jostled and everything would seem to be out of control. But then all of a sudden, boom, it would come back up and everything is back to normal. You were just kind of cruising at altitude. And those moments of turbulence, really, if we look at it, some of those moments really weren't that bad. They weren't as bad as what, in my life, I'll speak for me, my moments of turbulence in my life wasn't as bad as what I thought that they were when I was going through it. But God said, what you've been dealing with has brought this plane to a screeching halt. It stopped. It grounded you. And now what you're having to do is you're having to try to take back off. And folks, there is a much greater need and demand 
for energy and fuel and effort and desire to get that airplane off the runway and safely in the air until it gets to altitude. And we, frankly, I'll speak for me, but I also think it's accurate for you, in our lives, we're not used to having to exert that much energy. We're not used to having to work that hard to get back up to altitude. And that's, have you ever noticed how long a runway is? Like, it's massively long. I wish that planes would just go, and I know that they've got some, but like, you know, they just go, and done. I've seen it on the Jetsons. It happens. But no, you've got these massively long runways because you have to build up speed. You have to build up energy. There's an, an, an amount of torque and fuel that's burned just to be able to even get this thing to lift off the ground. How many of you in here have, have flown before? What's some of the most uncomfortable moments in an airplane? It's like as soon as you lift off the ground, right? And then as you're coming in, I mean, as you're sitting there and you're taking off, all of a sudden you're, you, you feel, okay, I'm, I'm leaving the ground now. And you can look out and you can see that I'm in the air. And then all of a sudden the, the whole plane kind of gets that shudder. <laughs> Whoa, is it supposed to do that? And it's climbing, it's climbing, it's climbing. There's so much energy and effort that has to be exerted to even get the plane off the runway. And speaking for me, speaking for me, this time in my life, I am having to exert more energy and effort into my everyday life than I've ever had to do before. And that wears on you. And I've got a feeling that if not everyone in here, most everyone is in that same position, or at least a similar one. That we're not really sure if this thing's even going to lift off the ground now. And that wears on us. Now, my prayer is, and my hope is, is that, man, at some point this plane will get back up there and it'll cruise along at altitude because it doesn't use nearly as much fuel when you're at altitude. It doesn't take near as much effort as when you're up there. But what do we do while we're in these moments, while we're fighting, while we're struggling, while we... We're facing these obstacles that maybe we've never faced before. Maybe we're facing, maybe, maybe mental and emotional struggle isn't something that's new to you, but maybe you're feeling it and fighting it in a greater capacity and at a greater depth than you've ever thought that you could ever fight it. Maybe you just feel like you're going under. Just let me put in a side note here. Ask for help. If you're struggling, ask for help. It's not weakness. It's not weakness. Talk to someone. Talk to a brother and sister in Christ. Talk, talk to a counselor. Go to therapy. Get help. Ask for help. But as believers, I believe that what we see in this passage is a foundational level. Now, we're going to take several weeks. I don't know how many. I'm not trying to predict it anymore. But we're going to take some weeks and we're going to look at mental and emotional health from the biblical standpoint. But I believe what we see here 
as we continue to build on this is what God wants. He says that not only was there a decree in Joseph, I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called. I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you in the waters of Meribah. What is God doing there? What's God's emotional plea to his people? His emotional plea is, remember my faithfulness. How many of you, by a show of hands, how many of you has God been faithful to you in your life when you don't deserve him to be faithful? The passage that Larry read to start the service, that was, that was kind of an adjustment also. That was a different passage than what I'd ask him to read at the very beginning. But if you caught what he was reading, the children of Israel had made their way into the promised land. They had just crossed the Jordan River. It had just happened. And there is a mention of 12 stones being erected at that point. And the reason that God instructed Joshua to erect that monument was so that when your children and your children's children would see that, then you would have an opportunity to explain to them and to testify to them the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Whenever they would see the people of Israel who went through the wilderness, who went through the Egyptian bondage, who wound up in the promised land, when they would see that monument standing right there, what that would do would serve to them as a reminder of the faithfulness of God. That when you were in bondage, I was the one who was faithful to lead you out. When you came out, not only did you come out free, but you came out with the spoils of the land of Egypt. Once you got into the wilderness, it was me that provided the cloud by day to guide you, to shield you from the sun and the fire by night to keep you on track and to keep you warm. I was the one that fed you, that provided manna for you each morning. I was the one who made sure your clothes and the soles of your shoes did not wear out. I was the one who made sure that you stayed healthy even though you were being disobedient in your wandering in this desert. I was the one who parted the Red Sea to save you from the enemy, the armies of Egypt that was coming against you. I was the one that made water produced from a rock that, give, that gave you life all these years. I was the one that allowed you to cross this Jordan River and shrunk it and ceased it and you walked across on dry land. These 12 stones, this monument is what you need to look back at to say that no matter how bad the odds were, no matter how bad the situation was, no matter how grounded for how long the plane had been, my God has always been faithful and he doesn't have any plans on changing. When God has us in a place where we don't want to be. We don't need to be complaining like the Israelites did because here's what we do. They get out there and they're wandering the wilderness and it's all not what they thought it should be or that it would be and they start making the, the, the claims to Moses, hey, didn't we have it better in Egypt? Hey, weren't there enough graves in Egypt to hold us? You see, what we do is we don't mind. At the beginning of this, we didn't like this pandemic. But you know what? Everybody was turning and focusing on God going, hey, this is out of our control. We really need to get right with God right now. Then the plane sat there for a little bit longer than what we thought we should, that it should. And we just decided oh, we need to start fixing this thing ourselves. then. So I'm not going to focus on God anymore. I'm going to start instituting and implicating and doing all of these things to my own plans. 
When we need to be looking at times when things are still not the way that we want them to be, and we need to be looking back at the stones, we need to be looking back at the monuments, we need to be looking back at the times in our lives when we can look and say, I thought all hope was lost, but God was faithful then. I thought that everything was stacked against me, but God was faithful then. I thought that there was zero chance that I was coming out of that right there, that it was going to end right there, but my God was faithful even when I didn't deserve him to be. And guess what, guys? Through the midst of this pandemic, through the midst of however much longer it's going to take, and whatever the other side of it looks like, the one thing that I can guarantee you that will not change is the hope, the goodness, the love, and the faithfulness of God Almighty in your life. And if you can't cling to anything else, cling to that. Because God is faithful. Verse 10. The very last of it. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Sounds good, doesn't it? I get that baby bird look in my head. And I think that there's so many of us that kind of have that type of relationship and mentality with God that we feel like we just need to be here in this nest and just open our mouth and let God fill it. I'm not going to be able to cover the rest of this, but God, in Psalm 81, the second part of his emotional plea to his people is a warning as to what will happen and what has happened because of their disobedience. God will bless you. God will be faithful to you, and he will supply you hope, love, joy, peace, all of these things when you don't deserve it. But make no mistake, God will not stand for your continued disobedience. He will not bless our disobedience, period. If it becomes habitual, if it becomes what we do, and just how we live our life, we cannot live in a state of disobedience and expect God to bless it. And that's what he's telling him here. He's like, I want you to be in a place where you're being obedient and your mouth is open wide and you're ready to receive from me what I have for you. But you have to be obedient. And we'll look at this maybe next week in a little greater um, depth. But God does not give us commandments to be obedient to just because he's on an ego trip. And he's power hungry. God gives us commands and expects obedience because he knows that when we're obedient to those commands, that's the best thing for us. And that's what God wants from us. I'd like to ask the praise team if they would to come up this morning. If you're in here this morning, if you're watching online this morning, if you're hearing this after the fact and you're not okay, it's all right. We, we got a big club started here. We can, we'll have jackets and everything printed up. If you're not okay, it's okay not to be okay. But I want to invite you on this journey over this next however long it is with your family, with people who love you, and understanding that it's not okay to stay that way. That as we dig into God's Word and we look what God's answer for this time and the way that we're feeling and what he instructs us to do.